You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you as we continue our series uh, called Savior, in which we're walking through diff- six different metaphors for understanding what the cross is about, what Jesus' sacrifice means. And all of these metaphors that we'll walk through uh, are beautiful and powerful, but like all metaphors, eventually, taken to their extremes, they tend to break down. Like last week, we talked about the substitutionary theory, where Jesus takes our place on the cross, and, and we're filled with awe and thanksgiving for Jesus accomplishing that which we cannot. But if taken to the extreme, that metaphor makes it seems like it makes it seem like. God is angry and someone has to pay for human sin. Today we talk about the ransom theory, where God offers Jesus as a ransom in order to liberate us from bondage, to liberate us from the power of sin and death. Today our scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, beginning with the 16th verse. Uh, It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all of the the eyes of all of those in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him, and they were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. But then they said, is this not Joseph's son? So Jesus said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do you uh, do hear also in your hometown the things we have heard you did at Capernaum? And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, so that they might hurl him off a cliff. But he passed through them, through the midst of them, and went on his way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Several years ago, when I was the pastor at The Well United Methodist Church down in Pontchartula, Louisiana, during the season of Lent, uh, we had a series called Jesus Who? where we retold Jesus' life, but we retold Jesus' life music, using music only by the who. Uh, and it worked. It, I haven't been brave enough to try it here at Asbury yet, uh, but it worked. Like the first week, uh, the, the, the lesson was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we sang, who are you? Who, 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 who? Jesus, who are you? In the beginning was the Word. And then we talked about baptism of the Lord's Sunday. And we did, I'm free, down, 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 I'm free, right? Oh, the verse of that song, it's fantastic. <clears throat> I've told you what it takes to reach the highest high. You'd laugh and say nothing's that simple. But you've been told many times before, Messiah has pointed to the door and no one had the guts to leave the temple. That's the verse of the song, right? Then we talked about Jesus' healings and we did, see me, feel me, touch me. Heal me. It's so, fan it's so great. It's so great. It works. Uh, not brave enough to do it here, right? But it works. When we got to Holy Thursday, <clears throat> we got to the song Bargain. Do you know the song Bargain from Who's Next from the Who? And it talks about, as I'm reading it, uh, Jesus' sacrifice for what Jesus has done for us. Let's, for example, Craig, roll the clip. I'd stand naked, stoned, and stabbed, and I'd call it a bargain. The best, it's the gospel, it's what Jesus is doing on the cross. I will stop at nothing to find you. The ransom theory talks about God bargaining with sin and death and offering Jesus to win us back. Uh, parents especially understand the ransom theory and the idea of bargaining, especially at bedtime, right? You know, you would do anything to get your child to go to sleep, right? What, what do you need? You need a cuddle buddy? You need, do you need a nightlight? Do you need me to buy your way into college? Like, what do I need to do? It, it's like the reversal of a hostage situation, right? Whatever I need to do to get you to go, <laughs> to, to leave, go into your room and stay there. We call it, at our house, we call it bed, bath, and beyond. And it happens every day between the hours of six and eight, right? Parents understand this, this ransom theory, God's stopping at nothing to win us, to bring us back. Paul puts it this way in, in Galatians. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith was revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian 
until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. In other words, sin holds us captive. Sin dictates our thoughts and our actions. With sin, we, we, we seem to think that we have free will. But we're not nearly as free as we think we are. Or as Paul also goes on to say, I do what I don't want to do, and I am incapable of doing the good that I want to do. Another way to put that is imagine that you're at a buffet and there is ice cream and Brussels sprouts. You have the free will to choose either of those. Well, 10 times out of 10, I'm going to choose the ice cream, right? Because ice cream is delicious, right? Um, so, so with, you know, with sin, sin dictates we're hungry. We want ice cream, we want the sweets, right? But through, through meeting with a nutritionist or, or doing Weight Watchers and, and learning how our body works, through education and over time, maybe we'll start choosing the Brussels sprouts because we know that it's good for our body. We can still choose the ice cream. You have the free will, and you probably will choose the ice cream every now and again. But the Brussels sprouts are good for you. In other words, through Christ, we begin to fall in love with that which is good for us instead of our actions being dictate, dictated by that which is destructive. Another way to think of it is if you or someone you love is uh, an addict for fill in the blank, whatever that is, to a certain point we become unable to do good and we keep doing the things that we hate. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to destroy my family today through alcoholism. It tricks us, makes us do that which we don't want to do and incapable of doing the good, but through patience and community and education and mentorship and medicine, addiction begins to lose its control on us. Whether that's alcohol or money or ice cream, whatever it may be. Through Jesus' teachings about the kingdom of God, by speaking truth to power, by healing those who are sick, Jesus liberates us to live according to the fruit of the Spirit. It's no longer power or wealth or greed that dictates who we are. Rather, it is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Paul says, I love this, Paul says, against these there is no law. In other words, when we're living by the Spirit, we don't need the law. Or one, one way I like to say it is, as you, you know, the United Methodist Church is once again on fire to change the world when our discipline gets shorter because we don't need the rules. We are living according to the Holy Spirit. Or another way to think about it is think of, think of football. If everyone was playing by the rules, you wouldn't need referees. But as long as Nick Saban is in college football, you're going to need someone to have the courage to call offensive holding once every now and again. When we are living by the Spirit, it's not that the law is bad, the law is good, the law is holy. It's just we are 
improvising with the Holy Spirit. We are moving according to the fruit of the Spirit, and we therefore then do not need the law to dictate our actions. This idea that Jesus frees us from captivity gives rise to things like liberation theology, which is an important current, especially for communities who have been oppressed. One way to look at it is looking at the kind of songs that we sing and the kind of hymns that we sing. If you were here on Wednesday night, we talked about this uh, in depth. But think of a, of, a, of a European hymn, like Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, right? Uh, this uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing and the song that we sang at the early service, Hail to the Lord's Anointed, follow the same pattern. It is A, A, B, A. Repeat. And then there's the B section. Then you get back to A. In other words, the point of the song is to get back to where you started. And that makes sense in European hymnody, if you want a fancy word for it, European church songs, right? Something happens, it happens again, but then there are shenanigans, there's the B section, and the point is to get back to where you were. This is not the pattern of African-American spirituals. With African-American songs, there's an A section, and an A section, and an A section, and then finally a B section. It's supposed to mimic the same thing, the same struggle going over and over and over again. And then finally, not getting back to where you started, but seeing something new in the world. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. Struggle, monotony, the same thing happening, and then finally liberation, something new. Everything has changed. There must be a God somewhere. This ransom theory is a powerful metaphor for breaking the chain, whatever that is in your life. But like all metaphors, these metaphors tend to break down. When we talk about ransom theory, it leads us into asking, with whom is God bargaining anyway? Taken to its extreme, it needs the assumption that God and Satan are equally powerful. And that God has to somehow pay off Satan with the person of Jesus in order to buy us back. And as I've said before, Jesus isn't Superman. This isn't the Marvel Cinematic Universe as if God's the good guy and Satan is the bad guy and they're equally matched and they have to duke it out for humanity. That means that good is not powerful enough on its own. And that is not our faith. It suggests that evil is just as powerful as good. And that doesn't compute. In the beginning, God created light. 
not light and the dark. God created light and separated the darkness from it. It's a very different way of looking at the world. God creates light, not light and dark, so that they can duke it out. It also leads to the assumption that we have no moral obligation to do anything. That we've been bought back with a ransom and there's nothing left to do on the planet. That sin has this power over us, that, that we, we are good for nothing, that we, we can do nothing, or, or the proverbial, the devil made me do it. Friends, humanity is more than capable of doing evil things all by itself. We don't need any help. And evil is not a scapegoat. So like every metaphor, there are limits. If taken to the extreme, it doesn't make sense. Therefore, let us hold on to what is good in this ransom theory. Much like last week when we held on to what is good of the substitutionary theory. And that is that God would do anything to set us free. That Jesus came to open our eyes and to liberate us and to educate us so that we might know what is controlling us and what is binding us, so that we might let it go. Again, through community and prayer and mentorship and walking with one another. You know, I joke about parents um, understanding the ransom theory, especially at bedtime. But if you saw your creation, if you saw your child in distress, or being harmed or in danger. You would gladly lose yourself to find them. You'd gladly give up all that you had. To find you, I would suffer anything and be glad. I'd pay any price just to get you. I'd work all my life and I will to win you. I would stand naked, stoned, and stabbed, and I would call it a bargain. The best I ever had. May we know that God never stops searching for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and most loving God, like the father of the prodigal, you run out to meet us. Even when we are confessing our sins along the way, you interrupt us and you put a ring on our finger and sandals on our feet and a new robe, offering us new life. You were lost and now you are found. You were dead, now you are alive. Come, come into my house. Father, we give you thanks that neither powers nor principalities nor life or death will separate us from your love. So therefore, Father, send us out with that same love. Help us to put down the barriers and the stumbling blocks. Help us to put down that which separates us from you and from one another. Help us to live according to the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, generosity, love, joy, peace, Father, inspire us with your Holy Spirit. 
to proclaim your love across the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.